From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, wildlife biologist Dr. Kathy Shropshire. The possum is really a mystery to many people, often seen only at night and in rural areas or by the side of the road. Do we really know what it is, a rodent or a marsupial? Is it a menace or can they make good pets? Do they carry rabies? How many times will it play dead in its lifetime? We hope to answer those and your questions about possums this morning. Give us a call if you'd like to join in. 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. As usual, Dr. Major here to answer pet questions on Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, wildlife biologist Dr. Dr. Kathy Shropshire. The opossum is really a mystery to many people, often seen only at night and in rural areas or by the side of the road. What exactly is it? Is it more rodent or marsupial? Is it a menace or do they make good pets? And can they carry rabies? And how many times will it play dead in their lifetime? We hope to answer those questions and your questions this morning when you call in one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 7464 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Also, Dr. Major here, ready for any pet questions that you have. And we always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it does repeat Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope that everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, if um, I think uh, many listeners know that I'm a cat owner, so I saw something online that caught my attention. Uh, so let me read here. It's uh, just a couple of excerpts from an article I found. It says, a new study completed by researchers at Oregon State University in New Jersey's Monmouth University has found that cats are actually quite fond of people. The study uh, states that based on experiments performed that tested cats' reactions to things and people present in their daily environments, more cats tend to favor human interaction than any other one thing, basically meaning there's a good chance that your cat actually likes you. The researchers borrowed 50 cats from private homes and from animal shelters and took away access to four types of stimuli, food, toys, smells, and human interaction for a few hours. Then they reintroduced the the stimuli uh, to deduce what the cats liked best. As they found, half of all cats most favored human interaction over anything else, although 37% went for the grub. Then it says, uh, it's not overwhelmingly great news for cat people, but at least it's something to get assurance that at least half the cats out there are not planning to kill their owners. (laughs) So, I thought that was interesting. Uh, And I think it also might be the cat realizes uh, that the grub get, they're getting is provided by the owner, but uh, yeah. I, and I think that's you know uh, that cats do get a little bit of a of a negative thing there because I know that, that when I'm out of town, my cat is especially 
uh, affectionate when I get back. He, you know, always wants to run up and see me and 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 purring and that kind of thing. And so uh, they can be standoffish, but in their own way, they they can uh, let you know that uh, that they appreciate you being around. They just want to be the boss. Is what well, I'm that's true. I always <laughs> feel like my cats like me, but they want to tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've. The cat's not supposed to be up there. You put him down there. He jumps back up, and we go through this. And mm-hmm. I know there's one thing that I don't like my cat to jump on, and it's a nightly, you know, and, and the funny thing, it's a, my computer desk, and sometimes he uses me as his springboard. He jumps on me and jumps up there. And uh, the good thing, though, is now, well, this is the other funny thing. So I'll say, you get down, get down, and he won't do that. But as soon as I start to get up, he jumps dog, so he's like, "All right, I'll, I'll make sure you know. We, uh, we know who still is in charge here, even though I'm playing the game." So, so uh, if you have some pet questions this morning, let us uh, know. Give us a call. Also, as I mentioned, uh, we're visiting with Kath- Kathy Shropshire today, uh, talking about uh, possums. So, Kathy, one thing that I needed to ask you, and we talked about briefly before we came on the air. The word is actually spelled O-P-O-S-S-U-M. So I guess opossum is technically correct, but most people don't say that. Most people don't say that. No, they don't. Opossum is just a little bit too hard because we sort of tend to slur everything down here and we just call him possum. (laughs) All right. Uh, My producer, uh, Java, lets me know that uh, you portrayed Fanny Cook uh, before. I have. I've done it several times now at the Museum of Natural Science at USM, MUW. Just uh, did it at Terra Wildlife Birding Weekend. And we're trying to get the word out about Miss Cook and, and her contributions to the state with the development of the Game and Fish Commission and the State Wildlife Museum. That's right. If I remember correctly, she was instrumental in the in the early years of... Right. Uh, yes. What, what, how else is she important to uh, Mississippi and the wildlife community? Well, she did some of the original research. When, when she first started, there were very few, like two publications on uh, wildlife in Mississippi. And so she took it upon herself to start a uh, statewide plant and animal survey and to publish and make make it known the animals and, and plants and things that we have in the Mississippi. All right. Uh, if you would like to call in today, we've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Got a lot to talk about today. We're talking about possums. Also, Dr. Major here is ready to take some pet questions. And we always like to hear you call in and tell us uh, what sort of wildlife encounters you've been having uh, when you're out and about in the great state of Mississippi. So, Kathy, is a, a possum a mammal or a marsupial? Yes. Okay. <laughs> True. <laughs> it is a mammal, and it is more specifically a marsupial because it, it does have a, a pouch. Okay. So it makes it related to um, kangaroos. And um, actually, the, the uh, possums, marsupials, I guess, started in North America 65 million years ago and then um, distributed down to South America and eventually over to um, New Zealand and um, and well, over to Australia, and um, actually died out in North America and had to make their way back from South America again. Mm. So they've they've traveled a lot in the last sixty five million years of <laughs> marsupial history. <laughs> but I just wanted to say when we we talk about 
possums and, and Kevin you've done this show a long time so you know that we biologists are kind of weird and we spend a lot of time with our eyes on the road when we're traveling in cars <laughs> looking at what those little furry bumps might be on the road <laughs> and we you catch yourself saying oh that was a dog that was a cat that was a squirrel oh that was just a possum <laughs> well you know they're not just possums they are unique mm-hmm. animals and that was one reason we wanted to come on and talk about them because they are such unique animals to North America and to Mississippi all right, if you would, uh, for me and, and maybe some other folks listening, remind us again of what uh, what things make a mammal a mammal. Oh, live young is the, the main thing, if either live young. So, and, you know, unlike reptiles that um, um, have eggs or that sort of thing, and they're warm-blooded. Mm-hmm. And they can feed their babies milk. And they feed their babies milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you said a marsupial, the primary is, is the pouch? Right, right. They have, um, well, with um, possums, they have, they're young, very, very young. Um, they're only like 12, 13 days old when they're actually born. And then they crawl into the pouch and attach to a little teat and stay there until they get big enough that they can move around. And uh, what about size-wise? Well, um, females, maybe, you know, it's it, it, given the right amount of food and living long enough, they can get pretty good size. Males, maybe 10 pounds. The females, probably, you know, five, four, five, six pounds. Mm-hmm. Not huge animals. Cat size. In fact, the, the first um, descriptions that we have when people came to North America and found these strange-looking creatures <laughs> with this kind of ratty face and long body and short legs and rat-like tail <laughs> they were, you know they uh they had some strange descriptions and didn't quite understand what they were seeing and certainly um, didn't understand at all we're going to be visit, visiting throughout the hour with kathy shrapshire or he, she is our guest this morning talking about possums uh and so if you have a question for her about possums or a question for dr major about your pet give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Why don't we go to the phones and start in Port Gibson. Trish has called in today. Good morning, Trish. Hey, good morning. Um, I've had quite a colorful uh, repertoire with possums taking uh, shelter up in my attic. I have a an antebellum home. It's a three-story. And they come in underneath the house and the pilings and they climb up on a manway behind the staircase and you can hear them plop plop plopping over the loose boards behind the um the closets on the third floor and needless to say um well first of all i've heard a large clump bump and thumping when the the mother falls down that manway and hits the ground. And I was wondering, do they break bones easily when well, they fall like that? I would, uh, obviously not. If they keep going back in there, they must be okay. I would think they're probably okay if they're even if they keep showing up and keep climbing because that's going to that's quite a a large climb if you're going from a three story antebellum home. That's Right, and um, one uh, possum family, we've had several, one possum family uh, fell through the ceiling into my granddaughter's bedroom and nestled in in a pile of stuffed toys, and she came in and said... My stuffed animals are moving. 
Well, they are awfully cute. I mean, you have and to kind of appreciate awesome. this. <laughs> oh, they were so cute. And then uh, two more dropped out of the ceiling. <laughs> and they noticed them by their eyes in the night. They could see them running around the room while they're in their bed. <laughs> Oh, well, that's like a dream come true. Your, your, your stuffed animals have come to life. Right? <laughs> or E.T., one or the other. That's reminding me of E.T. I don't know. I was thinking of the Velveteen Rabbit myself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and I was just thinking, too, you know, they, they do they climb trees regularly. Um, they do have a prehensile tail. That's, you know, one of the features about the possum that makes them kind of unique. And they don't necessarily use that tail to hang upside down. They can. Uh, it's more to help balance them as they're trying to get things like persimmons or fruits or whatever when they're climbing. So, you know, being in a tree and potentially falling out is probably something they deal with. You know, you've seen squirrels fall out of trees. I mean, it's something they deal with. So I'm sure they it's not must al- be able to ro- roll easily. <laughs> not always a happy ending, though. Uh, I tell my tale here real quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, I was driving to work the other day, Monday. I guess it's Monday. Anyway, and uh, we have a tree-lined uh, portion of road and i heard a clump in the back of the truck and i didn't think about it i had uh some stuff in the back i thought something turned over got to work it was a full-grown squirrel and he was dead uh he had dropped out of the tree i guess or either was dead before he dropped and which is strange but i've never had that happen before and uh I, I would say that, yes, possums can break bones, yeah. but probably not. They're built pretty well, pretty sturdy. Mm, pretty sturdy, I would think. And the other thing that, that um, I was going to mention is they do, their hind leg, they, their hind foot actually has an opposable thumb, like humans and apes. They're the only other animal that has that um, in North America. And so, you know, that just gives them another ability to, to grab onto things. So. Oh, goodness. What is this, Troy? He's showing us pictures of a strange little possum-y looking creature. It's a Brazilian possum. Some, you know, and the dip, it's very tiny. Yeah, they are, and they're awful. You know, there's just, you take an opportunity to Google and look at all the different possums, and they really are cute. And some of those in uh, South America and uh, in Australia have this wonderful fur that they don't have the guard hairs like ours do in, in North America. And it's, it feels really, really good. And they make a lot of garments and, and coats and things, especially in New Zealand where they were introduced and now they're you know, trying to <laughs> cut back on that population a little bit. But, but they do use the fur or have used the fur in, in um, North America. It was a, it was a big um, resource at one time. All right, uh, Trish, thanks for your call. That's an interesting story that you told us there. Hey, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will continue a Creature Comforts talking about possums this morning with our guest, wildlife biologist Kathy Shropshire. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. You can join in by giving us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Back with more after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Dr. Troy Major is veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, wildlife biologist Kathy Shropshire. We're talking about possums, also looking for your pet questions or any wildlife uh, questions and observations that you have for us. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Back to the phone lines we go. We start again in Gulfport. Tim's called in today. Good morning, Tim. How's everything up there? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Yeah, we've been living on the edge of wetness down here. <laughs> yeah. Um, possums are relatively short-lived considering their size. Uh, most things that large are going to live a number of years. These things don't seem to live very long. And over the past the past six years, on five separate occasions, this time of year, I found a dead possum in my backyard. Now, my question is, these things seem to decompose relatively quickly uh, compared to, let's say, a dog or a cat or some other mammal that size. Is there uh, any idea why? I mean, I've watched these things rot in just a few days. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it has to do... They are awfully oily. Um, I, I was thinking perhaps their digestive system, because I, I've seen these things eat almost anything oh, organic, yeah. including yeah. dog feces. Oh, yeah, they'll and, eat. Uh, I, I would assume that maybe it's their digestive system. The acid may increase, or the, uh, uh, the digestive uh, fauna and mm-hmm. flora in their mm-hmm. uh, intestines yeah. may help break it down but they seem to degrade very quickly mm-hmm. and yeah. is it are, are insects involved in that degradation tim are they attracting um insects that help to decompose the body well you i mean you get the usual uh uh flies and, and uh, uh you know sarcophagus and those kinds of things mm-hmm. but now they just they just seem to degrade very quickly i uh, within a week or so, they're down to literally down to skin and bone. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't appreciate the fact that I'm allowing something to rot in our backyard. But I find <laughs> it it's, it's providing food and nourishment for something. So. Yeah, we're glad you're studying <laughs> that. Yeah, too. Maybe you you'll figure it out. We'll have to. I haven't run across that, but maybe I haven't I haven't Googled the right thing yet to see what. Well, let's try to follow up on that. Yeah, if anybody has yeah. an answer, they yeah. can call us with that. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for the call, Tim. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we talk to Mike in Mobile. You're on the air, Mike. Go ahead, please. Okay. I've got a two-year-old female cat who was recently diagnosed with feline leukemia, and that has caused severe anemia in her. And I wanted to know what type of treatments would be available for her. You know, the, this is one of those... Uh, diseases that uh, there are several different uh, forms. So sometimes it will sequester in the in the bone system. It sounds like this is a very active case. Uh, treatment usually is non-productive. Uh, I would seek out a specialist, a uh, veterinary specialist, somebody that has whether it's Auburn or uh, other specialists. But as far as the treatment, uh, it quite often, if, if she's that far with anemia, 
uh, it may be unproductive or un, untreatable. Um, I read about what they call lymphocyte T cell yes. immunomodulator. Yes. Does that do anything of benefit? It has. It has shown some. Uh, what shall I say? Promise, but not always. Okay. I I would I would seek out some help with somebody that's actually actively involved in either research and or uh, treatment of this. But in most cases, as I said, uh, treatment is is not satisfactory. I wish um, it, I wish it was. The last time we took her to the vet, they gave her an iron shot. Does that do any real benefit for her? Well, they're just trying to. Uh, I mean, I know what they're trying to do, but does it right? Do, it, do, I, do that doubtful. I'd say doubtful. Okay. Yes. Good luck, and uh, I would I would contact Auburn if you haven't already, uh, okay. and see what they would have to say as far as the specialists. Good luck with you. All right, thank Take you. Care. Thanks for the call, Mike. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's stay on the phone lines. We're going next to South Mississippi. Zabrina has called in today. Good morning, Zabrina. Go ahead, please. Hi. Good morning. Um, I, I have um, a, there's a a field um, we have cattle on, and we do have a. Uh, a bunch of pitcher plants out there growing and i had you know put some up i was going to show the kids what the plants can do and my question to you how do i keep those alive if i put some in a little vase or something okay they're hard to keep alive and in a vase in the house they may not catch the insects and you know you 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 want to show them how they'll digest the the insect yeah. it would be um they really are hard to keep alive outside their own habitat and i know that because at the museum we we had a, a garden for a while a garden area with pitcher plants and it was a lot of work even when you you had them rooted right right um so um i would say you need to do it quick if you've if you've cut the flowers and you've got them in the vase i would i would yeah get some insects and show your kids because it is an such an unusual interesting thing you might have to take them on a field trip outside where they go and how old are the kids could they um, they're just i work for a library system and um, i wanted the kids to know um, that Actually, they didn't know potatoes came from a green plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you've got a, a lot to teach those kids, which will be a lot of fun teaching them. But I would say cut the plants right before you're going to show them to the kids. And you know what you could do? Because if you get one, look inside them before you pick one and see one that's already got um, insects in the process of being dissolved. And that way, it, because it also it takes a long time. So just, you know, the kids at one time in the library, I would say you have to rely on those insects that have already been caught and are in there probably. Oh, it's such an amazing plant. And it, it's a shame to see, you know, um, those, you know, dying out. And I, 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 that ground is sacred to me. And, um, yeah. you know, I know that they are a bog plant. So it's kind of like um, the ground is so rich where they're at. And uh, even the blooms, I, I was amazed to see how they bloom. Yeah, they're, aren't they amazing. beautiful things? Yeah, and uh, um, you know, I would urge you not to, to tell the kids that they shouldn't, they I shouldn't collect know. many, and I would I, think not to get exactly. very many of them. You yes, know. ma'am. They, uh, we were just a few, and I'm like, yeah, no, there's nobody touching anything else here because I like to see them grow and I like to see them bloom out where they're at. They're they're just so beautiful, and um, it's just something that I wanted to present to the children to to, to make them understand, you know, um, that there is a plant that eats bugs. I and mean, I, 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 I'm so glad that you are introducing them to the things that live around them, the unique things, especially that that um, they they won't learn about if somebody like you doesn't teach them. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. You're so sweet. And I thank you for answering my uh, 
picking up my phone call, and I appreciate you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call, Sabrina. Let's uh, move on. By the way, we've got some open phone lines. If you have a question about your pet or a question about possums or you a wildlife story or question you'd like to share with us, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Mikey's on the line from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, uh, yeah, as usual, it's a fascinating conversation and discussion with everybody. Um, uh, my question is, uh, okay, let me start first by saying that I had some friends visiting from Italy, and uh, we had some, the raccoons came out because, of course, there was cat food around because we had a lot of cats. Um, and the uh, they were totally amazed, these Italian folks. They had never seen anything like a raccoon before. I mean, they were just, uh, it, 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 it was hard to describe how they were, you know, their awe of, of raccoons. Um, let me say, by the way, also, that I've never known a cat that would argue with a possum. <laughs> <laughs> They're too smart. And I like possums a whole lot. Um, uh, my question is regarding, since the, uh, these Italian folks were so amazed by the raccoons, um, I don't, they didn't get to see a possum, of course, because it was broad daylight. Um, but uh, uh, what, what kind of ranges do possums have? I mean, how many continents are they on? And uh, uh, I'll listen from here. I'm very familiar with the ones we've got around here, and I love them dearly. Thank you. All right, Mikey, always good to hear from you. Uh, so, Kathy, our founder. Right. So our, our, our possum, our Virginia possum, is um, it's in North America. It's on the eastern, basically all of the eastern part of the North America and across and goes up, the range goes up the coast of California up into actually Oregon and, and Washington. And then th- down through um, Mexico, there's some in um, uh, South America and then in Australia. And I guess, is that, I think that's it. There's a lot of diverse, more, much more diversity in Australia than, than we have in South America, and certainly. Yeah, I don't think they're, they're any mm-hmm. in the old world. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I don't. All right. Uh, we've got another caller on the line, another familiar voice to listeners. It's Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, or good rainy morning. <laughs> I'm getting used to it. I'm going to grow mold and call myself a science experiment, I swear. <laughs> uh, I've got possums, no. and I know I respect and love them as anyone else, but they can move. Um, one, I'm going to ask two questions and you can answer me off the, well, one question off the air. And I do have an answer to the lady. Remember last week when she called in, Kevin, and she couldn't keep the cat off a certain spot in the driveway? Right. Well, we did a little brainstorming between me and a couple of my cat buddies to get a jute or rope mat, like a regular doormat, mm-hmm. put it near the spot. Put something they don't like to smell. They have two brands that I, I guess I can say. One's Odaban, and one's a brand they sell at Walmart. I can't remember the name, but it comes with a red spray thing. It keeps them away from the area. Now, it might not discourage them immediately, but leave the mat unsprayed. And then move it over six inches in a day, and then another couple inches, and provide, like, cardboard boxes, some kind of modular thing, uh, crates or something, and put another mat inside it and keep scooting it to the side and leave something to the side of the driveway 
that they can climb in like a cat castle boxes or mm-hmm. something decorative use your imagination but it would kind of steer the animal away from the driveway and i know when you have a pet and you dearly take care of them your kids love them it's hard when they get caught under a car right but if you could help me with the answers on what to do about to get rid of the possums in my yard i would i would yes Oh. We, we can get that done. <laughs> All right. What do you think's attracting them to your yard? Are you putting out cat food or dog food, I, or do you I have? I did at one time, but I I only feed my one little outside cat a half a cup in the morning, and I pretty much hang in the yard till she's through. Mm-hmm. But I live next door to thirty acre woods. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I can't move it. <laughs> right. And my 12 acres is extremely wooded, so. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, because if you trap and it's a good place, they're just going to come, you know, maybe not that one might not come back, but another one will take its place. But, but usually there, to, would, there would be a food source yeah. there for them to come on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, I can't see them just coming and, and hanging out there like the vultures that you had. <laughs> uh, I would say that. There has to be some type of food source there for them to come and stay around. Do you have any berries, you know, you know berries or um, fruit trees? Yeah, well, Loaded there you go. Yeah. and Indian berries. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they'll eat they love anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that this time of year, they're, ooh, I'm not sure. We're not helping you very much, I don't think. <laughs> You've, you've got a little smorgasbord there for them, it sounds like. And just, just enjoy them. Yeah. Or they're not causing any problem other than just having a bunch of them, are they? They're just so ugly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, they have a face a mother could love. <laughs> they're a little, yeah, they're, maybe they're a little. See about the half-grown looking. babies. Yeah, you look at those. The babies are yeah. cute. <laughs> well, yeah. as usual, the babies are cute. Yeah. Oh, sorry. All right, uh, Kathleen, I think we're going to have to give you the uh, advice that Felder often gives some folks, and that is uh, take off your glasses and you won't be able to see them very well. <laughs> yeah. All right, but thanks for calling in. And that really the idea of the cat seemed like a good idea, Dr. Major, because you're using both sort of the repellent, the scent that they don't like, but also giving them with the mat and then eventually some boxes to play in an alternative that they might enjoy better and that might kind of relocate them out of the way of the of the driveway. Let's, uh, let's take a break. When we get back, we will continue our discussion. We're talking pets today with Dr. Major and possums with our guest wildlife biologist, Kathy Shropshire. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more after this. and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with wildlife biologist Kathy Shropshire, talking about possums, also looking for any pet questions that you have, and always uh, taking related to wildlife questions as well. So the phone number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Before we jump back on the phone lines, uh, Kathy, any concerns about diseases uh, when it comes to possums? Well, um, they can they can get rabies, but it's not usual. And they think maybe it's because they have a, a, a lower uh, body temperature and maybe it can't survive in, in them. Uh, they're fairly disease-free, Um can, I guess, have tularemia. It's the only one I know about, but I think Dr. Major was going to mention something, too. You know, they, they are fairly disease-free, and I've always been amazed by possums, though, because they are survivors. Even though they get run over in the road and everything, they tend to do pretty well. As far as, uh, just like Kathy said, I think there's very little diseases that they haven't spread. There's one, though, that it needs to be of concern from the standpoint of <laughs> horse owners, and that is equine protozoal myeloencephalitis, better known as EPM. This is the sarcocystic uh, protozoa that lives in the GI tract of some possums, not all possums, but they can literally get up in the feed box, this sort of thing, and in doing so, uh, if you have a box where you have more feed, they'll actually defecate, this sort of thing, and that organism can cause a serious disease in horses. My suggestion and Basically, the suggestion of others is to try to keep food, hay, where the possums will not get into it. And this is uh, uh, basically a, a thing that the possum doesn't intend to do, but it's something that the possum has got uh, in his system, and it can cause a problem in horses. There is a treatment for it, maybe not a perfect cure, but uh, there is a treatment for that as far as the horses are concerned. All right. And no other animals get this? Apparently not. Apparently not. All right, that's good. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. Edgar's been holding on for us from Jackson. You're on the air, Edgar. Go ahead. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. I have a question that's not as pleasant as those about a pet, but it has to do with animals. That is, I have uh, an issue with animal droppings on my roof, rather large, dark, and I wonder if that's an opossum or a raccoon or what. How how large? (laughs) What is large? Uh, uh, (laughs) uh, Large is, say, much larger than what you get from a rat or whatever. But, like, uh, would it be like a pencil size or? Uh, Larger than that. Larger than pencil. I might might approach the size of human robbing, actually. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, You would think probably possums are not going to routinely get up on your roof. I tend to go more with raccoons. Mm Uh, yeah. that's that's pretty large, yeah. yeah. So maybe you need to borrow somebody's uh, video cam and actually see what does get up on your roof and do that. If it's that big, you probably are hearing them when they're on your roof as well. So uh, it would be interesting to see what that animal is. I, actually, I honestly don't when know. They are, they're on a section of the roof where we wouldn't hear them at night, mm-hmm. you know, not on a part of the house. Are they, do you think they're coming out of a tree? That's possible. Okay. There are trees yeah. around that area, yeah. It, it couldn't be an owl pellet, could it? Could be what? It, could it be an owl pellet? 
Is it a um? Like, no, it's, it's and they're fairly large and extensive. This isn't pleasant sound either, but you could take a picture of this and send it to us. Okay. Yeah, because right. an owl pellet is actually very large. If it's a great horned owl, it's you know it's kind of a handful, but it looks like a little package almost. It you usually know, it's, would have some hair in it yeah, and from eating mm-hmm. uh, rodents and this sort of thing. So yeah. be interesting right. to see. All right, get up there and see what I can find. Be careful. Right, careful. Be careful. Um, and, and you're the. <laughs> if you could, uh, if you get a picture, send it to e- animals at mpbonline.org, and then we would send it over to the museum, and we'll see if we can't uh, help you figure out what that is. Yeah. All right, so thanks for the call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Kathy, who is on the road with a question for us. Go ahead, Kathy. Hi, good morning. How are y'all? Good. Good. Um, I was just calling to comment. I know before that. Uh, we you've talked about the uh, barn swallow. I'm not sure of the correct name. The barn swallow are the dirt gobblers that can be under your carport with the the mud kind of um, nest. Uh huh. Yeah, there's and, more than one bird that can do that. Yes. Have you got some? Yes, I have some. So this is my third time seeing them, and it's a joy seeing them. I know a lot of people take those. Uh, they they'll take those nests down. But they still come back and build them. But it's a joy to see them. Me and my family had a, a garage sale this past weekend. And while the people were coming, I was just telling them to just don't be alarmed. It's, the, you know, the barn swallows that are swerving over their heads. They were just coming very close. And then they were sitting right there on the light and just looking at us. So oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, they'll eat your insects, too. So that might be yeah. good. Well, good. Well, I enjoy seeing them. I just wanted to comment on that. Thanks for calling. Thanks for the call, Kathy. Good to hear that. Let's uh, move on next. It's been a busy day on the phones. Always like to hear from you during Creature Comforts. And next we've got Colleen from Biloxi on the line. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I just had a possum story. Um, At one point we found this little tiny possum baby. I think she must have fallen off her mother. And, like, her eyes weren't even open. You know, she was just tiny. And so we did the kitten milk, and then, you know, she kept getting bigger, and we did the, the scrambled eggs and raw chicken and um, cat food, like mushy cat food. <laughs> and would you know that she just, she got her tail um, would, like, wind around your pinky finger where you're holding her if she likes something. If she was happy, she'd wind her tail around your pinky. Um, she was just about the cutest thing that there was. But then she started to get just a little bit bigger, and, you know, she started kind of making um, angry-type noises and whatnot. So we decided, okay, you know, she's probably she's probably ready to go back in the backyard. But we, so, you know, we let her go, and she did come back to the back porch every once in a while. <laughs> and we were able to kind of visit with her. But uh, it, it, I just think it's, you know, I was blessed to live right in the lefty, like near a little patch of woods. And I, I don't really understand the attitude that a lot of people have where they choose to live in a rural area or where there are woods and trees, and then they don't like the animals that live there. You know, <laughs> to me, it's, that's the that's good part about getting to live in the trees. Right. Getting to see all the critters. Enjoyed it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So Wonderful. I just wanted to share that about... Um, yeah. Just how precious they are. All right, creatures. Thanks. Thanks. That's you know that's two calls in a row that I think have have the great attitude. I mean, as as Colleen points out, if you're going to live in an area that's close to nature, 
and you don't like nature, that doesn't seem to make sense. So it's, and I think with a lot of these things, kind of enjoy it, let it be, and, and they, they do their thing and we do our thing. And if we, we respect each other, I think that's, that's the, a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And, but she also made a good point that they, they're not, they're not, they don't make good pets. Mm-hmm. It was good to let it go ahead and have a wild life. Yeah, to enjoy it while it is, but then, yeah. as she said, they realized it was time to let it go, and, and, and they did that. So a uh, great call. Glad to hear from you today, Colleen. Uh, we need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we've still got some phone calls to get to. It's been a busy day. We always like to hear from folks uh, during Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more after this. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting with our guest today, wildlife biologist Kathy Shropshire. Back to the phone lines we go. We start again in Tupelo. Holly's on the line. Good morning, Holly. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I've heard that rattlesnake bites don't even bother a possum. Uh, immunity or whatever, I wonder, is in there system that uh, it doesn't affect them and is it that way with other poisonous snakes for them and on what all continents because i know australia has a lot of bad snakes (laughs) well i I know that um in north america our possum is immune to the bite of like rattlesnakes and cottonmouth moccasins any pit vipers like that now it, it will it is sensitive to a coral snake bite it it's um um Got an increased heart rate after that, but um, do we have many coral snakes around? We have some, I guess, in South Mississippi mostly, but yeah, they, yeah, they're, they're around. They're, they're just fairly just don't rare see. and yeah, they're very secretive. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, and they um, they're not. You know, they're, it's almost hard for one to bite you because they're very small, and um, they they can't you know grab onto your leg or something. But they, uh, don't pick them up if you see them. But, oh. <laughs> but possums are being studied. Off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, possums are being studied because they have that immunity to um, to those pit viper. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I so what it is in there. Is yeah, that what we um, use or? Right. I don't know if it's something in there or if it, right. I don't know if it's something that you know, a chemical or if it's, it has something to do with their lower body temperature. May have to do with their fat content mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I know that uh it's common belief that uh that wild hogs are immune to snake bite as well. Mm-hmm. 
and they mm-hmm. may have a higher fat content. So that's interesting mm-hmm. to see what kind of research has been done. Mm-hmm. All right. Holly, uh, thank thanks for the call. You. If that's the case, I would be immune from snake bites also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it works that way. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think so, Kim. <laughs> don't try it. <laughs> no, I don't want to volunteer for that study. Next, we've got Ann and Clinton on the line. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have two possum stories. One is very sad, and the other one's a horror story. <laughs> As a young child on the farm with grandmother, I went out to the mailbox one day, and there was a dead possum in the middle of the road. And sounds like a song, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the the mother possum, when she was hit, the uh, the babies had been squished out, and they mm-hmm. were crawling around all over the uh, oh. road there, and it was sort of devastating to me because there wasn't anything we could do about it. You know, they were too tiny to even try to raise. So that's my sad possum story, mm-hmm. my first encounter. But the other one was uh, very terrible. I raised chickens and had the hen house with the little door where they go in at the night. And it was probably 10 or 11 at night, and we heard this squawking, terrible noise. So I ran down to the barn, the chicken house, and put the cover over the door, opened the large door where we walk into the house, and there was this possum snarling, reared up on his hind legs, (laughs) more than knee-high, huge monster, and uh, he'd been eating my chickens. Oh, gosh. So, uh, of course, they just kind of kill him and suck the guts out, I think. But (laughs) anyway... It was terrible because well, I just took a shovel and dispatched him rather quickly hmm. and uh, had no more trouble with possum. No more possum. Good. That's, my, that's my horror story. Right. It's been like Stephen King and Cujo. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was not very, very nice, but had to do it anyway. Oh, yeah. You, you fix it where you, no more could get back in there. And get, but, yeah, you know, right. uh, originally there was a, a thought that possums would just suck the blood out of the chickens. And mm. they didn't realize that they were actually eating it. It was one of the old wives' tales from from centuries ago, I guess. But, um, yeah, they'll you know, possums will eat anything. They've got 50 teeth, which is more than any other Mississippi land mammal. Wow. So they eat lots of different things like, you know, berries and fruits and of course, they are scavengers off the side of the road. That's where most people see the possum is mm-hmm. because he's on the side of the road having some dinner there. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so, they, yeah, they'll eat a lot. And, yeah, they, and they are known as, um, you know, chicken thieves, I guess, <laughs> or something. So. All right, Anna, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Michael from Wiggins on the line with a possum story. Go ahead, Michael. Hi, are you on the line from Wiggins? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, Kathy, a quick question. What do you call a possum uh, 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 baby? Possum puppy? Kitten? Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah, I would think of them as a kitten, but pups, I'm not sure. Or pups? Are they pups? Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I'm a, uh, a cell <laughs> Little. tower. I work at the uh, base uh-huh. uh, uh, cell tower. And we had a uh, site that went down for a uh, backhaul. And uh, the, uh, so we went over there, opened up the cabinet, and there's a uh, uh, mama possum nursing uh, four possum puppies. I, and I've never seen a bucolic possum before. And she's just in there sleeping, you know, on, on a chewed-up fiber. <laughs> and, uh, oh. With four, four little kittens nursing. It was, so I went back and took a picture, and then she's, like, smiling as they do. But actually, she's sitting, right? right. And uh, But uh, uh, 
yeah, I think yeah, possums are they're just pretty cool all around. And, but uh, and so you caught her uh, grinning like a possum. That's what we call yeah, it. She's <laughs> grinning <laughs> like a possum. <laughs> all right, and, well, uh, in Brazil they they would say "umacara uh, sem vergonha." It's a face without shame. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> and uh, Michael. Our, our producer, Java, says that a young possum is called a joey. Joey? Yeah, well, that I makes sense. Yeah, the kangaroos. The kangaroos. Right. The marsupials. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't know that. So we just told the uh, owner of the uh, uh, cell phone network that it was like, okay, they're going to be weaned in about 45 days, and then we'll go back and uh, put in a permanent, <laughs> permanent fiber. And it's just laying across the platform now, but... So it's it's really nice living out in uh, this was downtown Biloxi, by the way, and uh, the, uh, so it's really nice living out in the countryside because uh, me and my dog, uh, she was sitting out front chewing on a bone, a little sixty pound uh, Belgian Malinois, and, uh, uh, and she looked up, perked up, and she had that uh, there's there's a cat looking her eye, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a uh, uh, armadillo was running up to her like <laughs> she was chewing a bone. It's like, holy smokes, I never saw armadillo, like, like go after a bone or, or before. And then the ar- armadillo saw me and ran off. It's like, well, mm-hmm. the, the dog chewing the bone wasn't scary the way I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he was looking for the bone. They don't see real well. They're kind of going by smell. So he may have been looking at that smell. I don't think he was... Checking out the the bones and possums. That's they don't have much of a brain. Uh, if you ever get an opportunity to look at a skull, they have very little um, brain capacity in there. They have a big sagittal crescent. The crescent runs uh, front and backwards. It uh, takes up most of that skin, but most of the brain is is reserved for the um, for smell. Yeah. Yeah. So All right, Michael, we appreciate your calling in this morning. So, uh, Kathy, we've got a couple of minutes left. I'm curious about the whole uh, playing dead thing. I guess obviously it's uh, um, a defense mechanism, but to talk a little bit about that if you can. Right. You know, they can, they don't move very fast, right? So, you know, of course, the first thing they're going to try to do is is to get away and you know move off. But um, their second defense is de- playing possum, playing dead, and uh, their brain, their. Um, 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 blood pressure and everything re- reduces, and and so they they can play dead for hours at a time. We were talking about that off offline, but um, you know at least five hours. But Libby had a story about one. <laughs> yeah, I have a neighbor that for- thought it played longer, and even in the hot sun, that it was and still was okay. So that was interesting. You were telling the story, and then the 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 landowner thought it was dead, and so eventually, thinking it was going to decompose, he went out to to bury it. And you, you said you hit him with a shovel, and then did he yeah. wake he up said, then? He, said and he picked it up with the shovel, and it yet yeah, woke up and hissed and ran off. So <laughs> like it seemed to be okay. Walked away. Yeah, walked away. <laughs> we we had a, a my brother in law had a had a um, German Shepherd that would get possums and and drop them and they would play dead and he the dog would move off and wait till the possum moved again then he'd go back and get the do- the possum again and <laughs> it just it got to be a big game yeah that was that was the problem with this possum it had laid he thought that his dogs had killed the possum but it had just played dead. Hmm. Uh, Kathy, that dog sounds like a cat because, you know, that's the, <laughs> the right. way cats love to just hit around and then uh-huh. think they've uh, survived and then they come back after it again. Right. So, 
right. All right. Uh, we had a great day today. A lot of phone calls. Love to hear from you when you call in and, and, and uh, participate with us on Creature Comfort. So uh, always like to hear from folks. And thanks, everybody, who called in today about their pets and about opossums. It's been a really uh, fun hour. That is going to wrap us up for today, though. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife. And from contributions from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Jason Klein. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Kathy Shropshire, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.